in this house. In this house. who make your toilets disappear and your toys levitate. I'm your witch doctor this evening, Travis Maxwell Boone. Tonight will be a dissection of darkness, an exploration of a nightmare scape viewed through the eyes of the innocent. Infinite deaths in an all-consuming void. In this house, Skinamarink is cosmic as fuck. It tells a story through liminal spaces, hallways, doorways staircases, bathrooms, and basements. The framing of nearly every shot puts the audience in a state devoid of direction, giving us a helpless feeling as we never fully see what is happening. Our perspective is small and limited, like that of a child. It's also through a child's eyes we see some of the action play out, although ever dreamlike. These scenes gave the film a false label of found footage. 
this is not a found footage film. True, it is based stylistically in the realm of analog horror, but it isn't strictly beholden to it. Originating in the early 2010s, right along with the rise of creepypasta and based on certain aesthetics from between the 1960s and 1990s, analog horror is one of the newest subgenres of horror. Precursor films that had influence on analog horror include the Poughkeepsie Tapes, The Last Broadcast, Ringu, and of course, The Blair Witch Project. The minimalist approach to analog horror, along with low-fidelity imagery, hidden clues, and mysteries, they're all on display in Skinema Rink. And this is not by accident or happenstance. Writer and director Kyle Edward Ball had spent some time honing his style with his YouTube channel, Bite Size Nightmares, link in the description, where Kyle took comments from viewers about their personal nightmares and turned them into short films. This is the cycle of the urban legend at work, storytellers taking stories, reimagining them, and spreading them like dark little secrets. Uh, something recently occurred in my life that makes this movie hit closer to home and honestly makes it what I've recently called my official <laughs> scariest horror movie of all time. I have no other way to put it. It fills me with the most dread. The ideas won't leave my mind. It's like I'm possessed by uh, the skin of a rink or what I'm calling presto changeo uh, due to what we will find out or time loop powers that this thing has among many other i wish i had a time loop or time control because some of the things that happened um personally they just make this movie one of the most challenging watches of my life but one of the most rewarding as well this is a personal film for kids like me who stayed up too late watched joe bob briggs on monster vision Fiddled with cassette tapes and video game cartridges. Kids who wanted their nightlight left on. Kids like so many of us that were scared of the dark, but stared deeply into it. For this midnight ritual, you'll need to come upstairs, stab yourself in the eye, levitate through a door floating in the abyss, and come face to face with a cosmic childlike necro-god. You can currently stream this on Shudder, so if you haven't seen tonight's film, skin a rink. Cry off now. Skinamarink is a 2023 
Canadian lo-fi minimalist and extremely experimental cosmic horror film written, directed, and edited by Kyle Edward Ball. It's 12 o'clock. <laughs> The film stars Lucas Paul as Kevin, Ross Paul as Kevin and Kaylee's father, Dolly Rose Tetrault as Kaylee, and Jamie Hill as Kevin and Kaylee's mother. Like the recent indie horror runaway success of Damien Leone's Terrifier 2, Skinnamarink spread by word of mouth, garnering attention thanks to social media platforms, a leak that uh, unintentionally occurred and it has sparked enough interest to be a financial smash. The budget was a mere $15,000, and the film has grossed over $2 million at the box office. The divisiveness of this film cannot go without mention. For most of the audience, this is a black-and-white matter. They either love it or they hate it. I'm one of the few in my friend circles that absolutely loves this film. I'm doing an entire episode on it, so there you go. Um, to the rest of you, you watched it wrong. Filmed in the director's childhood home and based on his previous uh, proof-of-concept short film, Heck, Skinnamarink uses the fear of the dark to tell its story. It conjures up the monsters that we thought of when we were looking into the near pitch, the whispers of uncertainty uttered from frightened lips. It is the essence of the boogeyman and what could happen once he has you. The film opens in 1995 in some random house somewhere with four-year-old Kevin trying to start up his cassette player. His six-year-old sister Kaylee has no luck, so they ask Dad for help and he has it working in no time. Kevin retreats to his room and starts playing with his toys, while something unsettling may be watching from the dark in the hall beyond his bedroom door. Later that night, Kevin tries to play hide-and-seek with this entity, interacting with it, and it's mean. This old skinnamarink pushes him, and when Kevin falls down the stairs, he and his family are both plummeting toward a senseless, uncaring fate. Dad and Kaylee bring Kevin to the hospital, and the entity turns on the television, exerting more control over their home. After they return, Dad calls someone on the telephone and explains that Kevin fell. He isn't hurt, and Kaylee said he might have been sleepwalking. After everyone is asleep, Kaylee goes to check on her brother, but then discovers Dad is missing. She and Kevin go downstairs and discover all of the doors and windows to the outside world are missing. Kaylee tries the telephone. It seems she's even trying to call someone in particular with the amount of digits that she uses, but the line is dead. She then dials 911, but again, dead. These poor babies decide to watch old cartoons on the VCR sleeping together downstairs at Kevin's request, in the living room and comforting each other in the face of this most horrible uncertainty. It's heartbreaking. Just like their little I love yous before going to sleep. Mm -hmm. 
Kaylee's circadian rhythm has clearly kicked in. She wakes up and wakes Kevin up. They eat some breakfast, and there's still no sign of Dad. So Kaylee goes upstairs to get a few things, notably some Legos and some coloring books, trying to brighten the atmosphere any way that she can. It's at this time that she notices the nightlight had been knocked out of its socket, so she quickly replaces it and heads back down. But... Alone in the dark, the nightlight falls out again. It's not long after this that they hear unexplained sounds, and they even find one of the chairs in the house upside down on the ceiling. Before they fall back asleep, Kevin asks Kaylee where she thinks their father is, to which she says she doesn't know. And Kevin asks maybe he went with Mom. To which Kaylee says, I don't want to talk about mom. Later, Kevin shows Kaylee that the toilet in the downstairs bathroom has disappeared. Kaylee then goes with Kevin upstairs so he can use the restroom there. And while doing so, she finds that one of the dolls is hovering right up against the ceiling in her bedroom. Kevin returns and jump scares the shit out of her, so he says he's too frightened to use the toilet. Kaylee decides to put two buckets in the downstairs bathroom in what is maybe the only fucking comedy we get in the entire film. Kevin says, gross. And later that night, a mysterious voice calls to Kaylee from the darkness upstairs. She gives in and makes her way up the staircase with only a flashlight, passing through the hall with no nightlight, over to her father's bedroom, where she sees the visage of her father, who tells her to look under the bed. She does so, but sees nothing. She trusts her dad enough that she tries again, but when she comes back up, her father is nowhere to be seen, and instead sitting across the bed from her is her mother. Kaylee. She tries to tell Kaylee that they love her and Kevin very much before the bedroom door slams shut. After this, she instructs Kaylee to close her eyes, and Kaylee does so. Just then, she hears her mother and something else saying, There's someone here. Faint sounds of moaning, perhaps pain and the breaking of bones comes from the darkness in the closet when suddenly something jumps out at Kaylee. Back downstairs, Kevin asks her what happened, only for her to respond with asking Kevin to help her move the couch. They block off the hallway from which the voice was calling her. Kevin falls asleep, and the voice calls to Kaylee again, this time only the sounds of her heavy breathing accompanying the silence of the house. When Kevin wakes up, he calls for his sister twice, but she doesn't reply. Kevin decides to go on playing with his Legos and his VHS tapes. Now completely alone, he's doing anything to distract himself from what these circumstances could possibly be. Meanwhile, some of his other toys are suspended against the wall, reality and gravity no longer making sense in this house. In this house. Before the violence really begins, Kevin goes to get himself a juice box from the cabinet. 
After coming back down, the entity tells Kevin to sleep. And so he does. At this time, on the television, a cartoon with a peculiar rabbit is seen stopping and starting over and over on repeat, slowly then quicker and quicker, indicating that this entity has now created a time loop or has the power to do so. Eventually, the voice calls to Kevin, sounding sort of like his father, beckoning him into the basement, where he finds Kaylee, who no longer has eyes nor a mouth. Kevin rushes back upstairs, clearly frightened by what he has seen, and the voice calls to him again, telling him that it wants to play. Different toys in the house begin to disappear, and Kevin tries to ignore this skinnamarink, but a drawer flies open in the kitchen. Kevin is then found sitting there, holding a knife, and the thing tells him. Kevin does so, and the tormented sounds of his crying echo throughout the entire house. Sometime later, Kevin awakens. He is probably still injured from stabbing himself in the eye and decides to go and cuddle up on the couch under a blanket. The house is completely pitch black at this point, none of the lights working anymore, something the kids had discovered earlier in the film. Many of Kevin's toys have disappeared or are floating up on the wall against the ceiling. The house is completely upside down and topsy-turvy. Kevin can hear the sound of the phone, as if it has a dial tone finally, so he picks it up and dials 911. He whispers to the operator, telling them that he had cut himself and that he's starting to feel sick. The operator tells him to be a big boy and to stay on the phone while the adults try to get to him. And then the operator asks why he's whispering and if someone else is in the room with him. And this is when Kevin tells him that he's downstairs, but all of the doors have disappeared before dropping the phone. Presto Changeo turns the phone into a chatter telephone toy, shocking Kevin, who sort of asks but almost tells it, You did that? To which the voice says, I can do anything. It tells Kevin that Kaylee did not do as she was told. It tells him that she wanted her parents back. Then it tells Kevin. And he obeys. Frightened, undoubtedly, and holding his flashlight, he goes up the staircase, only to find himself walking on the ceiling once he arrives. 
He walks into a bedroom, which then becomes a void, with Presto Changeo promising to protect Kevin. Seventy-two days later, Kevin's cassette tape, along with all of his Legos and presumably every other toy, is seen floating against the walls and the ceiling of a seemingly endless hallway that stretches into infinity. A figure is seen, perhaps Kaylee, sitting on the side of the bed, and slowly, like the Presto Changeo cartoon, collapses in on herself and fades away. Photos of people with missing facial features appear in the darkness, like the memories of childhood fading with time. Here in this never-ending nightmare, we find Kevin hiding as best he can, but to no avail. It sounds like he's having a conversation even with this creature, but in this world, all that's left are unintelligible whispers that echo in the dark. Kevin and Kaylee are tortured by this thing, and they cry out as blood splatters onto the floor, then disappears and splatters repeatedly over and over, while the creature laughs and Kevin begs for his mother. Sometime after this, Kevin and Kaylee are sitting down to watch something, to which Kevin asks his sister, Can we watch something happy? A door appears in the darkness, floating there in the void. And then after we go through, an indistinct face tells Kevin to go to sleep. And Kevin asks it what its name is. He asks again, and he is only met with silence. This entity in Skinnamarink is without a doubt the most twisted fucking thing ever. I mean, it takes the toilets away. Yes, it kills the kids over and over again, but, I mean, Jesus Christ, they can't even take a proper shit. Various interpretations are all part of this. It's the way the film enchants the viewers, or at least those that get taken by it. And to me, this movie feels like its own sub-sub-genre. This is nightmare horror. I've never seen anything like this. Whether it's uh, the kids being subject to parental abuse or neglect, abandonment, whether Kevin died and is in purgatory this entire time... Uh, th th there's plenty of theories out there. In fact, um, there's a Instagram page that everyone who's interested in exactly what all of these interpretations and what every single scene means, I'm going to point you all in the direction of Skinnamarink Decoded. I'll have a link to that profile also in the show notes, along with Bite Size Nightmares. 
whoever's doing the breaking down there is a film student, and um, they're doing an, a fantastic job. So I highly recommend checking that out. My favorite interpretation is exactly as what the film presents. These children are plucked out of reality and put in a pocket dimension where they're tormented by some demonic cosmic force that's all-powerful and unexplainable. It seems to be able to control time, uh, reality. It, it, it's basically a god that can do anything, including kill your kids over and fucking over again. In this film, grain and darkness, along with the silence causes your imagination to run wild while you try desperately to see what may be lurking in the shadows. The true horror of this movie for me was that these poor kids never had a chance. There was never a warning. They're unaware of what the true gravity is, and this entity is so cruel and crazy evil. They were doomed to a forsaken realm, in my mind, never to be seen again, and worse still, completely forgotten and possibly erased. This film is the purest essence of cosmic horror because the unknown is happening to beings that are completely pure. Skinmarink is the grim cosmos telling you to go to bed. This film gave me my fear back. It made me feel like being a kid again, watching a horror movie for the first time. Ricky and I hand out tens like Napalm in Vietnam, but this is the kind of movie that really only shows up once every ten years if you're lucky, and if not, once in a lifetime. This is a masterpiece of lo-fi nightmare nostalgia, and truly made me afraid of the dark. There you have it, kids. Don't fuck with the cosmic shit, and stay skinnamarinkin', bitches. I can't wait to see you lace your shoes Things were hazy but that all stopped with you We passed by headstones on a walk I overthink something then I forget I should talk This all happened, but I know that it
choose.